1600kibq.fm and rockoftalk.com. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk, and it's time for the Spirits of New Mexico with Jim Hammond and Kevin Petrusnik here on this beautiful, wonderful Saturday afternoon. Gentlemen, how are you? We're good. Fantastic, Eddie. Wonderful day. I'm hooked on a feeling. Um, I like that. I, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that little right, sipping yeah. on some wine. I got yeah, that. I got you. I got you. Every everything. Every song you play has a meaning. It does. It does. Yeah, well, absolutely. this one is actually chosen by our new producer, uh, Eric, uh, who joins us. Great and, choice. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's got. He's uh, he's an audiophile. He's a dancer, guitarist, uh, etc. So you know, we're gonna we're gonna class it up here in the Kiva. <laughs> Lord knows well, we can use that. We were day class A before, or what? <laughs> Come on. We could always use a little more class, Jim. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> what, do we got, what do we got in store today? Oh, well, we're still continuing our three-week celebration of the wines for Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, again, as I mentioned last week when we covered the red wines, it was like, if we try to cover all the possibilities, you could, well, if we try to cover all the possibilities, it would take more than three weeks. But we were going to divvy it into red wines, white wines, which is this week, and rosé and sparkling wines next week. So we have all four categories covered. And why would we do that? Because at Thanksgiving, if you have the typical Thanksgiving, it doesn't matter whether you're having turkey or ham or lamb or beef. um, Hopefully it's one of those. Um, There's a lot of different wines you're going to need between the appetizers that come, and you may have more than one appetizer, then you have the main course, you have the sides, and you have the desserts. Come on, there's no one wine that's going to handle all that. And and then there's, of course, the the whatever, what are you going to drink while prepping and cooking? Well, well, there's that too. There's the pregame wine. And and there yeah, there's also the the wines to go with the football. That's right. Then you got the real. Then you have the game time. Right, pre prepping wine. I mean, I mean pregame like pre Thanksgiving, and then you've got the right the wine for football. What what are you going to drink then? Absolutely, and you know, and a lot of white wines go great with potato chips if you're if you got a big bowl of those in front of you while you're (laughs) while you're watching football. (laughs) Is that are are the uh, Detroit Lions playing again? Always. Oh boy, the Lions and the Cowboys always play on Thanksgiving. Okay, yeah, that that's true. But they don't always they don't they don't play each other. Yeah. No, well, and and actually, that's probably just as well this year. But uh, it is painful to watch the Lions. Uh, yeah, ex- exactly. Which is probably why people are going to drink a lot more wine to go along with their football. But uh, anyway, we don't want to digress here because we're not there quite yet. But we are in the white wines, and uh, it'll probably come no surprise to you, or maybe it will, that we're going to start with Chardonnay. Um, well, it's the most popular white wine out there, and very particularly with with uh, Thanksgiving, it goes great with. The with turkey, um, the white meat uh, would go with probably the lighter one we have. It's a it's a Saint Valentin, uh, which is a delightful white burgundy, and that, then we also have a, a gamey, which is and gamey by the way is the name of the thing. It's not the taste of it, in case you wondered. Um, and and that one is a big luscious uh, chardonnay. Did you say gamey or ramey? I, I did say gamey, didn't I? <laughs> I should turn the bottle a little bit. It's Ramey. Sorry, sorry about that. Jim, how much wow. have you been drinking this morning? Uh, actually, it's just the bottle turn. Okay. So anyway, Ramey, right? I remember it was for some reason I've been I've, I've been switching those two two, and I don't know why, but it's that's been, all right. But anyway, the the Ramey is a is a definitely wake up call 
for not just the light meat for the dark meat. It's got enough extra oomph going on. It'll work with both of them. So anyway, and of course, that's not all you're going to have. Uh, for a number of years, we uh, we did uh, our our Thanksgivings in uh, in California, and as you can imagine, because of all the wines that we normally in, indulge in there, most of our friends uh, worked in high tech. So we, you know, uh, doing wine was was like part of what you did, and multiple wines. So if you had a lot of friends getting together. You would have a multiplicity of wines that was just mind staggering when you thought about all the possibilities. But after we started doing that, we thought, you know, this is a good idea actually, uh, is to just have a lot of different wines. Um, one thing I should mention, if you, if you are inviting friends over for Thanksgiving, which is always a good idea, uh, one of the things that, uh, Tim Honey would suggest for you, he's a master of wine that, uh, has a couple of books that talk about why you like the wines, you, why you like the, the wines you like. And, uh, he's, he's mentioned the fact that, uh, people staying really strictly with rules about here's the type of wine you should have with this kind of food. He basically said, tell your guests to bring whatever wine they love to have for Thanksgiving. Uh, one of the nice advantages of that, of course, is the fact that if they didn't like the pairing, it's their fault. They brought it, right? And the other thing is if they're, if you're having them bring Food to your Thanksgiving, which is always the best way, right? I mean, have have you ever done a Thanksgiving where the host did everything and then no one brought anything? No, me, me neither. No, no it, it's just like it's it's a good get together for everyone. It's and, part of the tradition. Yeah, everybody bring a little something. Exactly. And so, what we would suggest is tell them, yeah, bring, uh, bring your appetizer, your side, your dessert, whatever to go with our turkey and. Bring a wine you like to have with it. So if they don't like the pairing, it's on them. So there's that. Plus, there's less cooking you have to do. And uh, even so, on every Thanksgiving, uh, usually my wife, Barbara, and I are, are busy cooking most of the day. Um, and usually Barbara has been cooking up a lot of cookies a day or two before. So we always have plenty of that tableau. Um, anyway, none of this is on the script. I just, I'm just extemporizing on that script. We don't work from a script, Jim. Uh, well, sometimes we we do, but it's uh, it's show notes. Exactly. Yes, that's what we'll call them. So, you know, the uh, so so Chardonnay we we chose. So, a lot of people would say, "Well, that's a great idea." Some people would say, "Oh, I don't like those oaky, buttery Chardonnays." And some people, when they have had a couple of like that, they remember it and they think that's the way it always is. Now that was. A trend. It's they're, they're still out there, uh, the oaky buttery chardonnays, and as we said before, the thing is usually because of the way they make them, they're almost sweet, uh, very low as, uh, acidity or crispness. That's crispness. <laughs> <laughs> We're not quite at that holiday yet. Yeah, not quite at that holiday yet, and and uh, which is essentially what you need to ha- have good food pairing. And uh, and if they're higher alcohol, that also can be a challenge for you. Uh, so basically, when we, if the basic food pairing wine is one that's not high in alcohol because that is going to add a lot of heat. That is going to make it difficult. If it's low in acidity, not crisp, then uh, you're going to have problem with it really marrying with the flavors of all the food. So those are a couple of key elements to keep in mind. So... And of course, there was enough of a backlash. This was back back in the in the eighties when a lot of the oaky buttery chardonnays came out, 
and there was a backlash to that called Anything But Chardonnay, or ABC. And this is, you've probably seen this on, on a, a couple of wine lists in restaurants, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, not in a while. It's been a while since I've seen yeah. that uh, that reference, but yeah, I get it. Well, that 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 was that was uh, again a, to, to the backlash. So, oh, I don't want what, what else you got, and uh, so, and then, and that's of course why I I like when wine lists uh, la- label it as like other interesting whites, right? Ah, uh, yes, you know, like uh, and other interesting whites. That's like funny. That's exactly what I labeled this one. And anyway, other interesting white. <laughs> yeah, other other interesting because there's a, a ton of them out there. But uh, again, if you do like the oaky buttery. Now they're helping you out with it. So one of the ones I saw there was was buttercream. You're familiar with buttercream? Yeah, it's it's a so there. Okay, so there is butter chardonnay made by Jam Sellers. Okay, and we, uh, Jam Sellers. Oh, oh yeah, boy. Yeah, okay. but 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 it's an acronym. Okay, it's Jam Sellers, J A M. But it's but it's it it stands for the it's the initials of the people who own the winery. Ah, okay. So okay, but but they took that and they played on it and they made a buttery chardonnay. So you have Jam Sellers. You have butter chardonnay. You have um, I'm trying to remember the name of the other ones. I can I can look them up, but there's a bunch. Yeah. There's a bunch of different ones. Actually, oh, they oh, just yeah. launched butter cabernet, um, but creamy butter. What would you say? What do you call it? Creamy, creamy butter or something like that. Oh, the, uh, the oaky buttery. Oaky buttery. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, it's, they're they're trying to play off of that because really, but to me, butter chardonnay sort of defined that that genre of style and style. Yeah. It really, it really put a stamp on it. It, it does, but it's, it's a kind of broad-based thing, and, and there's all kind of variations under it. So some of yeah. them really overdo it, and some of them are really doing it more as an influence. So it, it depends. So, again, the tasting notes for buttercream are butter, vanilla, and pear. I don't know how they slipped the pear in there, but it was like, okay, if that's what you want. Well, we've uh, got to make it taste like fruit somehow. Yeah, right? so. exactly. There's got to be a little bit of fruit in there somewhere, somewhere. even if we have to squeeze it in. And and then you had heavenly cream chardonnay from Mendoza, uh, but one thing they did they did keep the acidity in in this one, but it does identify oak and butter still being the dominant elements. Again, there's a lot of interesting things you can get from oak, but really fruit and the acidity coming forward is part of what's going to really work best for pairing with any kind of foods. So just saying. So um, yeah, the uh, just to, just to give you a little little side. Uh, Note on on the jam sellers, they have a sparkling wine called Toast. Oh, of course, of course, because <laughs> right? you put butter. You got butter. You got toast. You got jam, right? So the sparkling wine is called Toast. But what we're saying is, if you like that that style, there is lots of them out there you can choose, and they make it really easy for you to figure them out these days. So there's there's always that it sells very well here yeah. in the New Mexico. By the way, people it, do it, like that style. Yeah. And, and of course, there's a lot of styles in California. If you just talk about a California wine, there is as, as many styles as you could find probably around the world. That are basically many versions of them are going to show up there. Uh, a lot of the cool climate areas, of course, are usually going to give you um, both richer and leaner uh, kind of Chardonnays to work on. And uh, in fact, that you brought one of those a while back from the Santa Lucia Highlands, I think. And or the well, the Fox and Canyon was one too. Those are really your memory is better than mine. I can't recall all the wines oh. I brought. Oh well, I, I know you cataloged them. I I tried to, but yeah. it it takes a while. Anyway, obviously, if we're talking about California uh, styles, which we are talking about, uh, then you know these evolved a lot over time. 
this may be hard for you to believe um, unless you've been in the wine business for a long time like me and and uh, enjoying California wines from the 60s, actually, as as I had. Obviously, I've been around for a while. Uh, the uh, things have changed. In the 1960s, there was less than 200 acres of Chardonnay planted. Um, and this is what uh, John Vaughn of uh, Punch Magazine called the first wave in California. And, of course, in the in the 80s, we had uh, overponderance of Chardonnay out there, and a lot of them were doing the, you know, making them sappy, low acid, slightly sweet, trading fruit flavors, uh, which weren't really all that well developed for oak flavors. And, in fact, enough that you sometimes got splinters on your, splinters on your tongue, which is really not a good thing. So, anyway, the backlash for that was people started switching to Sauvignon Blanc and Riesling in the 90s. And, of course, these are still very dominant wines these days, as they should be. And there are other, they are both, Great options for your turkey dinner. And uh, again, with all the food that's going to be there, your wa- any wine you bring is bound to pair with something on the tableau, don't you think? It was like the odds of you're actually missing entirely on everything that's out there. Well, it did go with the peanuts. Okay. Wow. Okay. We- yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to go wrong no matter what you bring. Exactly. You know? So what we're trying to do is allay any fears you have. But, even if, unless you come to my house. Now, I'm a little more critical. I might be reading your personality based on the wine you bring. So just be aware of that. But don't you think there will always be like that one uncle that'll just, you know, give you a hard time about the wine choice, right? Isn't there always that one relative at the table that's like, oh, this is okay, but, you know, would have been better if you brought a different style, you know? They, there's always somebody who's not happy. Well, we actually have okay. we have a fix for that. We have them sit at the small table with the kids. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be childish about this? Go ahead. You can sit with the kids. All right. <laughs> anyway, alternate whites is what I had. Okay, all, alternate whites. Alternative. Uh, alternative is another alternative white. Yeah, yeah. Uh, alternative is a better term. Uh, I will change that. Anyway, so obviously we talked about Sauvignon Blanc. Again, comes in a variety of styles. Some are more Lean, uh, bracing a city like New Zealand, the marble area, of course. Um, then you have the minerally driven ones like Sancerre. Um, and then you get to the, uh, a bit fatter white Bordeaux wines. So it is a wide range. And of course, in the U.S., you have all those kind of variations going on as, as well. I think the, the ones in Napa, from what I recall, are closer to a Bordeaux style. Which is not unusual, since the cab is there. Yeah, they're primary they're, red. they're they're a bit more crisp and dry. Yeah, in my in my experience. Yeah, and and uh, Pinot Blanc is is one I love, but there's, it's hard to get it in some places, except if you go to the Alsace, probably. But it it combines elements of the Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay, and uh, those are also really nice and versatile. But you'd probably have to go to the Alsace to get probably the ter- top versions now. Riesling, uh, again, wide range of styles from very sweet, and which is fine if that's what you like, because a lot of people do, all, all the way to very bone dry styles. And uh, a lot of places make them. Of course, uh, Germany is going to make lower alcohol, a little sweeter ones, but also with with good acidity to balance it out. The Alsace wines are a little bit higher alcohol, a little bit more balanced, I think, for everything that goes on with them. And of course, they're Pinot Blancs also. And Washington State is a great location for Riesling. They've been doing outstanding versions. That's really a great area for growing Riesling anyway. 
And uh, so yeah, because it sort of mimics the same kind of right climate as as, in the, as the best German areas. Yeah, right? or, or sort of, the or, or the French. Or French. It just has that right. You're talking about the the higher, um, you know, a little bit further north in the hemisphere, getting those cooler cooler nights. Oh yeah, warmer warm days, cool nights. Right. It, it just sort of yeah, it replicates that. So they they found same thing with uh, even upstate New York. Well, really yeah, well which is another great area for Riesling's. The yeah. Finger Lakes region is is very well known for that, and uh, New York Island. Uh, oh yeah, down on Long I- Long Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. Long Island. Long- I, I saw one word in case you wondered. <laughs> <laughs> Long Island. Uh, anyway, I, I if you're from there, there like me, you call it Strong Island. Oh, oh, you do. Yeah, they call it Strong Island. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm from there too. I don't remember that. Oh, so. come on. That's oh. what they, it was. It was sort of a knock on the, the locals, but anyway. Oh yeah, well, there's a lot of that going around. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, so Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris are two other really good possibilities. There's lots of that around these days. Those become more, much more popular of of late too. And so, just for the listeners out there, just for a quick reference, they are the same grape. More than most likely, I know they have different clones and all that. Mm-hmm. But Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio, if you see them in your mind, you can make them interchangeable. In terms of, ta- right. you can expect similar things from them, right? And and normally, if someone is making one outside of like Italy or France, um, they'll typically use that term to identify to you. Here's how we're styling it. We're doing this in a right. French style. We're doing it in Italian style. Yeah, uh, recently we were talking. Joel Gott recently changed from their from Pinot Grigio to Pinot to Pinot Gris. Oh, really? Or did it go the other way? Did it go Pinot Gris? Oh no, it went the other way. They were make they were sourcing a Pinot Grigio. And okay. they switched to, uh, sorry, they were sourcing a Pinot Gris, and they switched to Pinot Grigio. I've got to get that correct. So they went, they went to a I more... I hope they weren't that confused about the change. Oh, Jim, <laughs> it's, been a long, it's been a long week. I, I know. That's why we, no, we, we love these Saturdays. It's just kind of like, okay, it's time to chill out. I think, I think what they found was that people were, um, they were more in tune, the consumer was more in tune with the Pinot Grigio name here in the United States. Oh, it was, well, yeah. It, it carried more... More weight yeah. in terms of you know recognition, brand recognition. Yeah, and they probably said, "What's this peanut grist stuff anyway?" Oh, yeah. it doesn't sound good to me. So yeah, it, it, uh, uh, that's one of the things. Knowledge is is a, a key element in enjoying wine, which is why we're here, obviously, to give you some insight into it, so that you can make your own very very good choices of it. And so that's what we're trying to help you out with. Another one is Semillon. I mentioned Semillon partly because um, I had the best white wine I ever had for um, a Thanksgiving was an Algram Cellars. They aren't in business any, anymore in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And, and they had a Semillon, one vintage only, that had the most intense, wonderful, almost toasted fig element going on that just harmonized with turkey like nothing. The uh, bottle that I brought just disappeared like, wow. So, it, the, the the place you have to go probably is going to be more France. Uh, although they, they do have a Semillon that uh, D.H. Lacombe does. And uh, once in the past, it's okay. pretty decent. So, that that's another possibility. Most people, though, are using it for their sauternes. So, sauternes is mostly Semillon, occasionally a little Sauv Blanc in it. And, of course, those are the great dessert wines. Um, that And, again, that fig element is part of, an, is part of what goes into a a wonderful sauterne as well. And let's see what else we have. Oh, well, one of the things we ex- we explored 
that we had not in the past, and I'm glad we finally did, was some Italian whites. And both Kevin and I were just really kind of blown away by some of those. So we had the Fianos, the Grecos, the Valentinas, and the Vermentinos. And those are all dry, minerally driven, really nice, savory Italian wines that would probably go with almost anything, too. And, of course, not uh, not to leave them out on the end, we have the Albarinos, uh from Spain. We have the Torrantes from Argentina, the Gruner Vetliner from Austria, Chenin Blancs from France, uh, the Vouvray area. That, that's another mm-hmm. one that I probably could have highlighted. The Chenin Blancs from the Vouvray are also very good. And, of course, the Rhone white blends. So, do you have choices for whites? Boy, you have choices for whites. We've chosen the Chardonnay because it's probably one of the more obvious ones out there. Uh, a lot of the Chardonnays are big and rich enough they can handle uh, almost any kind of poultry that you've got out there, even rock Cornish hens, which is one of my personal favorites. But it's really hard to uh, serve a rock Cornish hen with 20 guests. I, f- I found that it's exceedingly difficult. In case you don't know, a rock Cornish hen is about a pound, about 1.1 pounds. It just seemed like that wasn't going through anyone, so I just thought I would mention that. Well, I mean, I don't. You don't see those around too much. Not a, not as a not, not around Thanksgiving because yeah. anyone who looks at it says, "No, I don't think that's going to work for our no. our family." But uh, unless you stuff it inside a chicken, inside a, in turkey, or you do like a, tur- oh, a turkey, oh yeah, one of those weird <laughs> things. Yeah, it's just like yeah, let, let let's let's that's, that's a little one that goes inside. <laughs> Well, this year we're, for Thanksgiving, we're going to have tofu chicken, uh, t- t- tofu turkey, okay? And it's just like, well, there was some some, show, some comedy show that they were talking about that, and they had the, the tofu turkey. Ooh. And I was like, wow, that's really, <laughs> that, ha- that's Desperation City. I have yet to attempt to deep fry a turkey. That is on my list of things I want to try to do in my life. It's, it's, uh, it's one thing that a lot of times you want to have the... Uh, fire department right there while you're doing it well i think it's because people do it from frozen and that's the problem oh no 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 don't do it from frozen. right i heard that 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 could be explosive very explosive yeah yeah you can launch your turkey to the moon and then (laughs) (laughs) what are you going to serve your guests i don't recommend that at all no (laughs) fully thawed oh well uh so anyway obviously uh for a california and we do have that one here so again let me just mention the two wines I'll actually look at the bottle, make sure I don't screw up again. Uh, so the the Saint Veron, um is a white Burgundy. Uh, the Saint area is way down in the in the in the Maconnet area, um, and uh, it is actually uh, a lot of the small villages that provide these kind of wines are all the way around the Puisay area, which is the one that recently last year I think it was. Uh, got Premier Cru status. So a lot of people are acknowledging that this area, um, down at the lower end of where most people are shopping for white burgundy, has been doing some exceptional jobs. Uh, this one, particularly was the 2018, uh, James Suckling gave it 91 points. It's definitely around there. 90, 91, I, I would definitely say. Uh, Jean-Claude Debone is, is the winemaker. In fact, we've had one of his other wines from a different area. And uh, it is the Domaine de Val Lamartinian, uh, and uh, it's such a long name there, uh, but it's basically from the villages around um, Priest, 
um, S-P-R-I-S-S-E. And, and that's one of the areas that basically is head and shoulders right next to the areas that are now Premier Crew. So the distinction of this I wanted you to know about was that you're still getting great wines here, but even though uh, Sanferon had petitioned to be uh, uh, elevated to Premier Crew status, that did not happen as yet. And so as long as it doesn't, uh, if, as you probably know, as soon as they give you a higher grade, you're pretty much going to be paying more for the wines. Um, and, and in fact, since then, uh, we've, if we say prices and, and availability has also gone down, or did for a while, but it's back up again, fortunately. And, of course, with any of these wines, particularly uh, the ones that are, you know, imported from out, it's, uh, you might want to start stocking up on a lot of those now because we have, we have had some problems with shipping and things like that. Uh, we don't want that to be spoiling your Thanksgiving dinner. So uh, some of the different areas you can get uh, include the the Central Coast area, which is very broad. We talk about the Central Coast many times, and, and you have to be aware when we say Central Coast, we mean the whole Central Coast of California. That means from San Francisco down to Santa Barbara. That's about a 300-mile stretch. And as you can probably well imagine, there are a lot of different American viticultural areas or AVAs in there, each with their own distinctive um, type of terrain, uh, even though it's not a typical term to to express when you talk about California. And uh, so you start in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and that's a lot of times where I used to end because I used to live around there. And uh, we always had great Chardonnay and great Pinot Noir, which are two of your classic wines for Thanksgiving. So if we wanted to shop for it, we had all the local wineries up there in the mountains that we could choose from. Um, down below that is Monterey. Uh and that's another area we visit a lot. You, you've been in Monterey. I have. That's one of my favorite places. It, it's just yeah. it's great. Uh, it's beautiful. Monterey, Carmel, that yeah. whole area there is just yeah. We 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 stayed in a lot of little bee, bees there and and just always enjoyed it. So it's not just a tourist area. Of course, it's also an area that produces really very good wines. Had a chance to tour Laguna Seca. Oh, really? Yeah. If you want to talk about a fantastic racetrack, my goodness. So did you take the main road from Carmel all the way down the Carmel Valley out, out to Luna's Sega, or did you go from what, Highway 101? I don't even remember. I'm talking about the, the, the Laguna Seca, the track, right, the, the racetrack. Right. I don't remember where we, I don't remember how we got okay, there. Okay. But it was just, a, you know, just to me, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a car and racing and motorcycle enthusiast. So to me, it was just fun to, to be out there. They were doing, uh, uh, motorcycles were doing track day. So it wasn't a, it wasn't race day. It wasn't a formal race day. So it wasn't crowded. It wasn't busy. Um, there were just uh, local people out there doing a track day on their on the on sport bikes. Oh, and okay. so if you ever seen that track, they they have that famous corkscrew where the 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 track winds its way up the hill, and then it hits um, three turns that that three turns that descend at probably a you know a, a twenty to thirty degree decline hill coming down off that hill and they call it the corkscrew fantastic 20 degrees is almost straight down just so you know 30. 20 degrees oh yeah, yeah oh yeah got my, all right maybe when, when i was when i was climbing on the bike on a 20 degree uh slant yeah. and, and and that was in the armstrong park yeah. uh, above russian river which is also something we're talking about here um i thought 
if I sneeze, I go over backwards. All right, so maybe it was a little less steep. than that, but it was pretty. It was yeah. really steep. Like yeah. it comes up this hill, crests this hill, and does two or three turns, and in which they yeah. call it. I thought appropriate to wine reference. They call it the corkscrew, well, which is the name of the turn. Okay, so, famous. So, okay, so if you're going to be in Monterey, of course, got to have a wine reference like that. But I, yeah, well, it, it wouldn't be mine, but it was yours. So the, sure. there you go. That that's fine. Uh, anyway, so one of the influences in Monterey Bay, of course, is what we call the Blue Grand Canyon. That's a trademark name, by the way. And uh, it basically identifies the fact that this is one of the world's deepest marine canyons. Uh, so obviously that means very deep, very cold water, and that water has a tremendous influence on the whole Monterey Valley, including the areas uh, right above it that is the, the Santa Lucia Highlands, which is very well known for their Chardonnays and Pinots. And the other area is Arroyo Seco, uh, which is another area that has, it's, it's the, the mountain kind of stops and you have this gap. And in that gap, a lot of the air flowing here from the Blue Canyon is going right through there. Then it funnels out into this wide area and it's a special area for Chardonnay. I say special because you'll get great wines there, uh, that are going to be probably about eight to ten dollars cheaper than the ones on the Santa Lucia Highlands, but are also very esteemed and very great, but they're they're different. You know, they are d- different, which is part of the fun, I think. Anyway, Paso Robles, most of what you're going to encounter there is going to be Zins, and that's also a great thing to have for any to any time. Um, but they also do some Chardonnay and some uh, Sauv Blanc, and those are usually up in the mountain areas. Uh, San Luis Obispo, moving a little bit further south, Morro Bay and the Pacific uh, is another prime influence. So this is uh, Monterey Bay. Now we're down the, to Morro Bay. And, in fact, they they want to define it as an AVA now uh, called SLO Coast, Slow Coast for Santa Luis Obispo, of course. Oh, and, uh, I, I'm, I you were just on a roll, so I didn't want to say But I, I want to pause for a second and, and, and back up to Paso Robles for just mm-hmm. a second. Mm-hmm. If you get a chance, there's a fantastic documentary, I think I mentioned before, called Tin, Tin City. Oh, yeah, right. On Amazon Prime. Fantastic documentary about the wine business and and Paso Robles just coming into its own, uh, into a cool cool little area. Oh yeah, so, and in fact, I highly recommend it. Uh, we we did talk about it on the show a while ago. Yeah, um, and so so yeah, that, that's a fun area too. It's probably been a year since we mentioned it, at least. I probably so you know well, we have all new listeners now. That's true. Some so, of the old ones would be like, oh, they're repeating themselves, but most yeah. of them are new. <laughs> If any of our if any of our listeners remember something we said a year ago, I, I want them to help me out with my own memory. Um, so anyway, so that's San Luis Obispo, and then finally down to Santa Barbara, beautiful area, beautiful city. That's someplace I've never been. Oh, you should check it out sometime. It really, really is need special. To get to Santa Barbara. It, it's like a giant horseshoe with the open end, of course, facing toward the ocean, and so you have this this kind of a mountain range that kind of surrounds the whole area. It is. It is a beautiful area. It's just astonishing. Anyway, so that's um, in that area. You have the Santa Maria Valley and the Santa Rita Hills, and I think yeah, we had the Santa Rita yes. Hills uh, Pinot. I think it yep. was. Yeah, yep. We did Santa Rita Hills Pinot. Yep. And and the other area, of course, is the Biencito uh, Vineyards, uh, which is one of the areas that b- began to popularize great uh, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, a Bon Clément by the late Jim Clendenden was always one of our favorites. I mean, that was one very much like the, the Ramey, where you had a really big, luscious wine 
great mouthfeel as the as the Raimi does, and just it just you know it just uh, you you would sit up and take notice when you took a sip of one of these wines, as you would with the Raimi, of course. It was it, there was no way you would not notice. Oh well, this is an interesting wine. It's kind of like that. And then of course Sonoma County, and I'm just going to zip right through to work to one area there because I don't I want to run out of time here. Oh, we're okay on time. We're, we're good. Just okay. Well, yeah. You don't know how much I still have to cover. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what, well, there was one area I did want to cover because of a certain quote, and this is in the in, in Sonoma. Of course, you have. Uh, the Sonoma Coast, uh, which is the widest, it's, it's one of the widest AVAs out there, is so wide that they actually identified another subregion within that called the Fort Ross Cebo, uh area. But in the Sonoma Valley, you're getting close to Napa, and you would think, well, in that a- a- area, are we going to still have some good Chardonnay? Oh, boy. Well, you have Caneros, which yeah. is a classic area for Pinot Noir. And also the Sonoma Mountain is another area. It's an elevation of 1,200 feet, also home to Jack London Vineyards. Which we represent. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. In 1913, Jack London wrote about this region. Quote, the air is wine. The grapes on a score of rolling hills are red with autumn flame. Across Sonoma Mountain, wisps of sea fog are stealing. The afternoon sun smolders in the drowsing sky. I have everything to make me glad I'm alive. Isn't that a great quote for, for oh. wine? I, I love that. Anyway, I had to just get that in. Anyway, but we're going to zip down to the Russian River Valley. Um, this is one of my favorite areas, one of the first ones that we discovered in Sonoma, uh, my wife and I, and, and it, it became a home for us because there were so many wonderful wines and wineries there. Unlike Napa, um, all the, the, the uh, wineries the, uh, are separated somewhat, so... We you could bicycle you know five miles between each each winery, and uh, so it's it's just because of the terrain that's the way it was set up, and each one had its own special uh, appeal. So the AVA for Russian River Valley was established in 1983. Um, it basically goes from Santa Rosa to Hillsburg, and in fact Hillsburg is another very interesting area, uh, which happens to be the home for our Ramey. Richie, uh, uh, Ramey Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever been to their warehouse? I've never been to their warehouse. Oh, okay. Been to Hillsburg. Okay. Yeah. Hillsburg is a, is a really nice town. The, the town square area is really special. Um, and, uh, all the wineries around there. It's a good wine tasting area. Great food town, too. Oh, yeah. Very much. I so, wish they would, my, one of my, I told you, one of my, my college colleagues had that Michelin star restaurant in Hillsburg, Cyrus. Oh yes, oh yeah, yeah which That's... has since closed, but he's on. He, he's making a comeback. You'll hear about him again. We mentioned before Douglas Keene, okay, famous uh, Michelin star chef. He was one of. The, he was the first Top Chef master on the Food Network. Food Network, the very first one. Yeah, there's no way you keep a good chef like that down. They'll they'll, yeah, they'll, he'll find, find a, they'll find somewhere. He'll come clawing back. Yeah. So this Ramy is a vintage 2016. Five years old, it is just coming into its own. I think if I were trying it after two years, I would say it's too too big. Uh, but now it has mellowed out a little bit. It is still a big, powerful wine. It is 14.5%, so it is a heavier style. You would call it a California style, but it's an elegant California style. Uh, this one comes from the Ritchie Vineyards in the Russian River Valley. 
so this this particular vineyard is is one they've been doing some great wines with for a long time. This is the one my good friend Kevin has brought, and it is definitely astonishing. Uh, there's no way you wouldn't notice this wine. <laughs> yeah, it's big. I, I mean, the the one the the Saint Varain is a uh, is a is is more delicate, lighter. Uh, so if you had the Ramy first, you almost wouldn't notice the the other one. Probably you would think you were drinking a glass of water. That's, yeah. Yeah. Eddie's with us on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so this one is not cheap. It goes about sixty five bills. Uh, so you're gonna you're gonna pay for this one. But it's the Han family. The Han family has been famous in California for a long time for making some of the very best wines. Uh, the uh, David and Carla Ramey uh, began their wine making in 1996. Uh, this was at uh, Dominus uh, Wineries Facilities. Then they moved to Rudd Cellars in 1998. So they basically were didn't have the, the money to have their own setup, so they were working with other wineries. So that's not an unusual thing, by, by the way. Particularly if you know what you're doing, then they're more than happy to let, let you use their facilities. Um, the the Rudd Winery, in fact, was built on the site of the old Girard Winery in Oakville. And um, I didn't realize it was the old one. It's how long since I've been there. I didn't realize, that, oh, they they basically took that over. Uh, they added Russian River uh, in 2001. Uh, Richie Vineyards was 2002. And they also do Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah. And they moved in their permanent home in 2007. That's the one in Hillsburg. And and as David has said, it's not a chateau. It's a warehouse. The whole idea is this is where we make serious wine for you. It's what's in the bottle you should be drinking, not worrying about whether we're a chateau or not. And again, that's a very down-to-earth uh, guy at, who has been making really excellent wine for a long time. Um, so the, uh, they've been producing critically acclaimed, award-winning wines, uh, Again, they Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, and Syrah are the three varietals, and uh, so they've been doing that for a long time. And they just do this particular one is, I think this is the first one I've had because uh, we, they were they, they were actually working at uh, a couple of the other wineries before they had their own. So I wouldn't have seen necessarily a Remy label when, when I was around there. So this could well be the first one I've had. Uh, and it won't be the last, let me tell you that. This is really extre- extremely well done. So so uh, who picked this one out? Did you get this one or one of your Oh, this your was guys? Ben, Ben Williams. Ben did this one. Oh, okay. Oh, was it Ben or Jason? Boy, my brain's not working today. I yeah. think it was Jason. Both good guys. They're, yeah, between <laughs> the two of them, we got it figured out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I enjoy that very much. But, and, and again, it, these... Two wines, you know, two different interpretations. Uh, with the white meat, I would definitely uh, do the, the Saint-Ferrand. Uh, if, if I'm looking for the dark meat um, or just a, a bigger hit on it, I would probably go with the Ramy. Um, and, uh, but they're both going to go with so much good stuff. It just depends on, on what, you, what you like best. And, of course, the, now going to France for a little bit, um, we already mentioned about the different classifications and of of these wines. Uh, so in in France, we're going to really focus really quickly down here because we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, 
we're going to focus right down. So, you, okay, the Chablis area, again, nice minerally driven wines, really good. They're up, up north. You go about 55 miles before you get to the heart of the Burgundy, which is the Cote d'Or. And then you have the Cote de Nuit and the Cote de Bone. Those are both known for their Pinot Noir and Chardonnay wines. And uh, then you have the Cote Chalonnay, which is another really nice representative area. We've actually done a number of wines from there. In fact, uh, I'll, I'll put you on this one r- r- right now. See if you guys have a 100% Alagote. Okay. Um, this is, uh, I just picked up one, uh, Bourgogne uh, Alagote uh, from uh, Total Wines right. that I wanted to try. Because I've never tried, as far as I know, I've never tried this grape. I mean, it's used in the Cremants from there. Cremants the Bourgogne wines have them. But I don't, I've never tasted 100%. And so I'm really excited to try that and see what the grape like it's by itself is like. So this is the second grape, the Chardonnay, obviously. It's still classified as a white burgundy. Um, and only one of the areas, uh, 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 is the only, I had to think about how to pronounce that. Your French uh, is, is as good as, uh, no, never mind. I'm, I'm not going to make the reference. <laughs> okay. Don't. Your French is, is, uh, getting better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you. <laughs> I tried. And then the last area down there, of course, is the Macanay, uh, so sometimes just called Macon. Uh, so they, they you shorten it down for us, I guess. And uh, so the two big areas that are there are the Puisay area, which is a, a number of different villages. And surrounding that is the Saint-Laurent, uh, which was recognized in 1971. So that was one of the later ones defined that way. So, uh, again, the classifications, the top wines are always the Grand Cru. Remember, in the Bordeaux, it's Premier Cru, Grand Cru. In the Burgundy area, it's Grand Cru, Premier Cru. And what we told people was just, if you go with Premier Cru, Grand Cru, you can't go wrong. That's true. Uh, if you don't you, have to remember which one's which. No. The, Certainly the, I can't. No, they're all going to be great wines. And in, in fact, you know, uh, some people can tell the difference if they live in the area and they've been trying them. But other, otherwise, you would just say, oh, this is a really good wine. In either case. And then, of course, the tier below that is the village wines, or the village wines, as it were. And and these, again, can be some that can evolve to Premier Cru, such as the Puy Fuisay that we already mentioned. So uh, the wines we're tasting here are ones that are on the verge of Premier Cru, I guess you could say. And it is a delightful area. The uh, This particular one um, that we're sampling here, is a, um, let me see if I got my pages up here. Yeah, th- th- this one is um, the, oh, where, where's my bottle? There it is. Yeah, is, is, uh, famous words. There's, there, there's a number of people had, had their hands in this one. Jean Claude Debont, of course, is, is the label that's on the neck of the bottle. It tells you that. Uh, but this, this also works on the auspices of, uh, of, um, a couple of other people, uh, Georges Dubuff, in particular. You're familiar with yes, Georges Dubuff? Of course. Uh, in fact, he's the one that uh, was one of the leading forces in the Nouveau Beaujolais wines. But, of course, the Dubuff has worked all the way through the Burgundy area. And uh, so, in other words, a lot of, a lot of very well-known hands have, have worked on this particular, uh, this particular wine. So the, the area we're talking about, the, Macanay itself is about 80% Chardonnay. It's a premier area for that. It's just like 
you started out in, in the Cote d'Or, and then you, all of a sudden you see something very similar cropping up here in the lower part just before you get to the Beaujolais area. Uh, in fact, one of the the, the significant areas of, of around there is, is uh, see if I can find it down here, because I've been jumping all, all around here, is the Rock of, oh, let me see. Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah, Solitre. So the Rock of Solitre is this amazing um, rock that has jutted out of the ground and then just uh, kind of funneled down from there. And and th- this whole rocky area and the kind of soil we have here, which is also very limestone rich, is is where a lot of these wines come from. So the uh, the the village appellations around here uh, include Chantre, Fuisse, Solitre, Puy, and Vergasson, and uh, all of those have now gotten the Premier Cru status. Uh, the other ones uh, involve the Saint Veron uh, and the Puy. Area, and all all of these are really highly qualified. the The other things you'll see is is the first thing you'll see with a white wine here is going to be it'll just say it's from the Macon area, M A C O N. It'll basically say Macon Chardonnay. If it's better quality, it's going to be Macon Village, and sometimes they'll also identify the the particular village it came from. So one of the ones I pick up at Trader Joe's that I love is a Mekong Verze. In fact, I got about three-quarters of a case of that just recently because their 2020 came out. And that's, a, a, again, one you can shop for. You're, uh, you're paying about 12 bucks a bottle for that, and it's tasting like something about $25 a bottle. Oh, we, we, certainly love, we certainly love $12 bottles that taste like 25 Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, especially these days. Any money we can save, let's do it. So the, the point is there's a lot of great wine to try around there. Uh, but of course, it is Thanksgiving time, so you want to do special wines. So I, I, I would say, you know, the Saint-Ferran, if we say, or, or doing any of the, the ones from the Cote de Bonne are certainly going to be in, in attendance. I'm almost, I can almost guarantee that Walter Blood will probably bring, uh, a, a Cote de Bonne wine. I could be wrong, but I haven't been wrong in the past, so, uh, so, again, it's a special time, so you want to have some special wines. And the same thing with the ones you can get in California. Uh, again, the Ramy is a classic one, as we already said. There's lots of great areas there where you can get super wonderful wines that are going to make your Thanksgiving fabulous. So a- any other suggestions you have for wines that, that you have there? Or what, what, what are you thinking about having for your Thanksgiving? I haven't even thought about it yet. I mean, we're still like two weeks away. Well, so, I mean, I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> it'll It'll occur to me like Monday before Thursday. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I need some wine. I have a, a Pinot Noir, a Magnum, a Pinot Noir that I'm going to be okay. drinking. Right, that no, was. Uh, Which it one? Was, um, I don't recall the name of it, but it was given to me as a gift for my 50th birthday mm. by um, by Kevin and Cat Rustler over at oh. Savoy. Oh boy! And so I plan to open that and use that for Thanksgiving with with well, family course. and friends. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Magnum, yeah, the Magnums are great. As well, we're going to be at a holiday. You know, our friends are going to have Thanksgiving, so there's probably going to be about 20 of us in a, uh, in someone's house. You'll need, need several so, Magnums then. Well, that'll just be one selection. I know I'm definitely bringing that, but I haven't figured out the rest of the the choices yet. So difficult, you know. You got with, with my group, you got to go variety. Mm-hmm. Some people, I know people like sweet. Yeah, I know people like big reds. 
So I do a little bit of everything. I usually pull two bottles of each style of wine that I know the people. And that's a good thing, too. If, yeah, you, know, yeah. if you know the people you're going to be with and you know what they like to drink, don't force them into something that they don't like. No, absolutely not. Give that, the people what they want, right? Isn't that what we say? Absolutely. <laughs> Except for Eddie. He doesn't give anybody what he wants. <laughs> okay. You're going to get what I give you. Okay. Just, uh, and, and you'll enjoy it. If I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, so the, one, one thing you should check out, by the way, if you're interested in, in a lot of the, the French wines, uh, check out this, www.orgon, uh, that's for Burgundy, obviously, dash wines.com. Uh, this is a wonderful uh, website, and if you just talk about an area like, if, if you just say, I want to know ab- about the Saint-Veron area, it'll, this is one of the first things you'll, you can link on in the, on the Internet. And I checked out a video. You should check out this video if, if you get a chance um, both of you guys should check this out if you get a chance. It's a three-minute aerial view of the entire region. It is breathtakingly beautiful. And as they scan through different areas, they'll have a little sign that says, here's where this vineyard is located. Here's where this oh, village is nice. located. So you actually get to see the whole lay of the land in a three-minute video. It is awesome. I, I, I played it about three or four times, wishing I was there while I was drinking the wines that we're doing here. But that's the other wonderful thing about these wines is they will bring you to those places, especially if you've been there before. They will bring you back there again and again every time you take a sip. That's wonderful. So if you guys don't mind if I'd like to kind of, and I know you can't hear me very well. Um, I know you can't hear me very well, but, um, okay, so this Ramey wine, I definitely want for Thanksgiving. Generally, as Thanksgiving goes, I think most people go for Chardonnays or they think they want them, right? Um, but really, Pinots, I think, pair way better with, with that. Um, I think next week for the show, I think what we should do is talk about the sparklers that we start Thanksgiving with. I think it would be a good way to go to talk about those since you guys hit the Pinots last week. And then you guys, yeah, yeah. Why don't we do that next week? And I think That's be what a, my plan is. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt with any plans here. Just oh, a no, little no. thought. That, that, because that, Jim that. has already set the table for the next three weeks, so... Uh, we're, we know we're doing uh, Pinots. We've got our Chardonnay. This is unbelievable. Love that, but this is oh yeah, <laughs> this is like a breed apart. It was like totally different, as you guys said. So let's hit some sparklers next week uh, with rosé and, and that. Um, I just wanted to say about this Ramay, like this is probably one of the best Chardonnays that I've had that I can remember. Um, I have about twenty wines that I've you know kept track of so far and all the bottles that we have in here. And I just want to thank Kevin for doing all he can to bring in these unbelievable wines. And uh, let's make sure that we thank all the places that are locally owned. We want you to shop there. That's where we want people to go. I think it's important uh, to shop local as much as possible. Uh, But Jim also does, if you're on a budget, and uh, you can go ahead and find a wide array. Jim has uh, a great uh, relationship with Total Wine as well. But let's try to keep a balance between both uh, of those uh, places and um, I, again, Kevin, thank you for all that you do. And uh, did you announce your uh, no, big no, event? Let, let me just throw that in real fast. Okay, so this is uh, uh, if if you may recall, uh, some of you that I also have a novel out called The Burn Weeps, and I'm going to be doing a, t- a signing at the Wheels Museum at Albuquerque Rail Yards. Uh, this is set for 5:30 to 7 p.m. 
on December, where is the date on here? Why don't I see the date on here? Um, December, boy, why don't they put the date on, obviously, here. Um, I'll find it in a minute, but, it, but basically, it's um, it, it's a it's a basically a business mixer. Uh, you can network with a lot of professionals. It's sponsored by by Smart Spider, and uh, you know what? It was probably the pages that I didn't print off. I think that's December fifth. And uh, anyway, yeah, but for, for, oh, I, I know what it is. It just missed. It. it was on the top, and it f- fell off my, my page. This is my printer's fault, not mine. <laughs> oh, oh, it could also be my memory. Anyway, oh, it's, uh, so. yeah. holiday cheer, treats, uh, great door prizes, guided tour of the museum. Uh, uh, it's a free-to-all event. And uh, as an extra treat, look for some of our fabulous authors who will be selling signed copies of their books. Pick them up for Christmas gifts, including the Burr and Weeps, a wonderful Christmas gift for anyone in the family. Fantastic. All right, another great edition of the Spirits of New Mexico, Jim. Kevin, thank you for all that you both do. Uh, You are a resource for all of New Mexico for people to enjoy themselves better at the table. And we think uh, the same way of the Kiva. If you want to go ahead and support our great radio station, become an advertiser, uh, or you want to have one of our events, which we're going to be producing, going to be absolutely awesome, kicking off 2022 we plan on uh, getting back together at event spaces. And um, Kevin, Jim, we've got Jeffrey Candelaria, we've got Natalie, basically the whole revoir of great talk radio hosts here on a Super Saturday. We'll be helping put those events once a, once a month uh, together right here in Albuquerque. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Stay tuned. More great talk when we return. We're going to go ahead and uh, hit Free Talk Live, Arc Midnight, and then Coast to Coast throughout the night. Thanks so much for listening.
Thank you.